Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. And for a moment, I want to go back a few years to an email that came into the Death, Sex, and Money inbox. The subject was, Sale doesn't understand aging. She's young. The email was from a listener named Diana Lowe, who's 64 and lives in New York City. She wrote in after she'd listened to an interview I did with model and actress Brooke Shields, and she found that parts of it were lacking. I wish Miss Sale asked Miss Shields to talk about getting older in depth. How does it feel to be 50 years old in a world that celebrates youth? How does Miss Shields cope with her changing body and the way people react to her? These are the questions that my friends and I are struggling with. My identity is shifting as I age, and I want more conversation about getting older. The last taboo is ageism. Please start talking about it, Miss Sale. These are great questions, and we know that Ayana is not the only one asking them. Over the years, lots of you have written in to tell us what's hard about getting older. Oh, the things that scare me. Oh, being alone. The house. The need to have more friends. It is kind of falling down all around me. I bet I'm not the only one in the world who's not having sex. I mean, it's been 11 years. I'm not much of an asker. And then if you're not an asker or a beggar, many times your needs will go unmet. The sadness. There's sadness that comes um, with middle age and old age. You go from weddings and births and graduations to sickness and decay and death and losing the people you love. And if you're lucky enough to live a long time, (laughs) you're going to lose everybody you love. You've also told us about the parts of aging that feel really liberating. It's so odd. The things that I used to care deeply about. I manage my own money and I can spend my own money. (laughs) My time is my own. I get to decide what to do when I wake up in the morning. (laughs) The best part of aging is you don't have monthly periods anymore. I'm having a ball now. I'm having a great time. The United States is a country that's rapidly aging. According to Census Bureau estimates, the number of people over 65 in the U.S. will nearly double over the next 40 years. There are simply more people reaching their 65th birthday, and they're living longer. They're also working later, living alone more frequently, and facing financial hardship. In 2017, nearly 5 million people in the U.S. over 65 lived in poverty. And of course, there's now the pandemic. 80% of COVID-related deaths in the U.S. have been among people over 65. I see these statistics a lot, but I don't hear much about what it's like to be over 60. I don't think as a culture we talk enough about getting older, and when we do, we don't often do it well. So today, I want to introduce you to Joanne Allen. Hey, Anna. Hey, how are you? I'm hanging in there, baby. How you doing? Good. (laughs) (laughs) Joanne has had a long career working at public radio stations across the country. For 18 years, she hosted various programs at our home station, WNYC in New York. She's currently the All Things Considered host at Colorado Public Radio in Denver. But these days, how do you introduce yourself? What do you say? Oh, that is a good question. Who am I? 
I'm Joanne Allen, a veteran news anchor and host of the podcast, Been There, Done That, the podcast that tells the real life stories of the baby boom generation. Then I'll say to the person, depending on their age, I'll say, give a listen and give it to your parents. (laughs) (laughs) On Been There, Done That, Joanne has conversations with older people about the lives they've lived and the questions that are coming up for them as they age. You know, I'm 67 years old and I'm really into older people. I think that people might suffer in silence when there's emotional tumult as an older person. And I think a lot of older people let things eat them up, if you will. So the older people's inner lives, I I do often want to know what's in there. So we're inviting Joanne to host conversations with some of you about what it's like to be aging in 2020. If you're over 60 and you want to be a part of this, I'll tell you more about how you can participate at the end of the episode. First, I want you to get to know Joanne. She's been at Colorado Public Radio since 2015, after taking a year off to write. And after a year of making no money, uh, I needed to get a job. And I looked for afternoon gigs at NPR stations. And there was and there was an opening here in Denver, so that's why I came. Do you feel at this point, um, when you think about your working life and your career, how much is uh, financial stability a reason that you're continuing to work a full-time job? It's all about needing money. I do enjoy my work. But I'm also at a point of where I'm ready to stop having to deal with the news day in and day out. I mean, I'm I'm saving money hand over fist. I mean, I'm just I'm putting it away as much as I can, which is much easier to do now that I don't have anywhere to go. Huh. Um, I mean, there and I wake up some mornings and I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to get into this craziness. I'm going to quit. And then I sit down and I look at my social security and I look at my 403B and then I look at my savings and I'm like, "Mm, if I stop right now, my lifestyle is going to have to change. Mm. So I think I'll keep going for now. So it's, yeah, it's all about the Benjamins. (laughs) Got to get them. I love, I can just picture you. You like wake up, you have that feeling of like, "Uh, I got to change this up. And then you open up all the windows and you're like, hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Now that I see these numbers. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be impoverished just to, you know, I don't want my, my, everyone's lifestyle tends to, you know, go down a little bit when they retire, but I don't want mine to go all the way down as far as it looks like it's going to go down if I retire right now. What's your daily routine look like right now? Well, it is... Mostly spent at home. I love working remotely. Having been a radio news anchor for most of my career, it was imperative to go into the studio. Mm -hmm. And so I never dreamed that I would be able to work from home. And now that I've gotten a chance to do it, I don't want to go back to the studio because I wake up in the morning, my shift starts at noon. So I have all of that time really leading right up to a minute before noon in the mornings that I can get a lot of stuff done. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's really great to also, if I need to get up and pee, I can just get up and go use the bathroom. (laughs) I can almost see it from here. Mm -hmm. It's just over there. You could even work from your toilet, Joanne, sometimes. I could, but I will never tell anyone when I do. (laughs) And you live by yourself? I do. I've lived by myself now for, ooh, maybe 20 years or so. How do you like living by yourself? I really like it. And I, because I think if I didn't, I would do something about it. But I, huh. I really like, <laughs> I think I would. <laughs> I really like living by myself because I get to make all of the rules, what I eat, when I eat, where I go, where I don't go, if all the lights are on overnight or if I turn them all off. I mean, I just love being able to make all of the decisions that affect me personally. Um, I have to admit, though, I have lately been thinking about maybe getting into like a Golden Girls kind of situation somewhere. You have been. I have been, yeah. I I don't think I want to, as I continue to age, I don't think I want to continue to live alone. I would like to have two or three people around me in the same house who will be able to take care of me, for example, if anything happens and I, them. How did you start thinking about that? Like, when did you start noticing, huh, it might be nice to have roommates? When I had a health scare recently and it turned out to be not something that I needed surgery for. At first we thought I would need surgery. So if I had needed surgery, it would have been like a month or two of recuperation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, how would I do that? And I thought, well, I can either try and, you know, get one of my relatives to come out and take care of me or, you know, a friend in town, which is less likely, or I would, you know, have to go into rehabilitation or something uh, or a nursing home, I guess. But I wanted someone near that I knew. I didn't want just to have a home health aide come in. I would prefer to have that comfort from someone who loves me and really cares for me. So I started thinking, yeah, as I get older, I I think I'm going to start needing, I'm going to start needing help. Yeah. Was that the first time that you've had to think about being in a position where you, you needed kind of both physical and emotional support because of your health? Has that come up before in your life? No, I had not thought of it before at all until I had the health scare. You know, I kind of was acting like a teenager, like I'm invincible, mm-hmm. that nothing can happen to me that's going to be devastating in any way, shape, or form. But when I got this news, I thought, oh, I guess I am getting a little decrepit. <laughs> and uh, my, you know, my, my health isn't what I'm thinking it's going to be. So yeah, that was the very first time I thought about, whoa, what am I going to do if I need to be laid up for a month or two recuperating? Did having this moment where you realized you might need help from someone else, did it um, did it make you pause and think for a minute, maybe I don't love getting older as completely as I thought I did? No. No. I, I love without a doubt, up and down, over and under, in and out, being an older person and getting older. 
So even with all of the ailments and the problems, um, all of that is not what I would prefer to have happening, but I am more than willing to accept it so that I can continue to grow older. Because every day is kind of a, a fascinating moment in time of where I look in the mirror and I see my mother. Hmm. Um, and it, that that fascinates me because I remember her when she looked that way, she, did, she didn't seem as spry as I am. So I, I, I see myself as my mother in the mirror, but I see Joanne because I look a little bit a, a little bit more alive than my mom did. You know, I mean, I look like my mother when I do my hair in a certain way. Coming up, more from Joanne and what we want to hear from you if you're an older listener. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Joanne Allen grew up as the youngest of seven in Mobile, Alabama. For the most part, her family has stayed close to the Gulf Coast. So in many of her moves around the country, from Wisconsin to New York and California and Pennsylvania, she's had to build new communities wherever she's landed. Now in Colorado, Joanne finds that her social circle is pretty small. I don't have much of a community in Denver. And uh, most of the people I know are through work. But with the pandemic, it's it's been really tough to get together with people, obviously. But I, I just never built a community here. And I think it's in part because I'm feeling transient. You know, it's been it's been five and a half years or so, but I still this is not where I'm going to end up. When you made the decision to leave the East Coast, where you had lived for for a lot of your adult life, in your early 60s, to move somewhere new, totally new, for a job. Um, did it feel like, did you know other people who had done a similar thing, or did you feel like you were um, doing something that you didn't know a lot of other people your age who had done? I didn't know a lot of people, period, who did what I was doing. You know, so many folks, especially in New York, don't really see beyond the Hudson River. They might go to Jersey, you know, but they there's still that mentality, at least when I was still there in the early 2000s, um, of where are you moving to? Mm-hmm. You're leaving New York? How can you leave New York? Just to move because you want to try something new was not uh, on the minds of many of my colleagues. And I, I realized that I was tired of New York, and I also just wanted to do something different. Stayed in in radio news, but I wanted to just be in a different environment. Mm -hmm. It's invigorating. It is. And you you learn. So you learn things that you won't learn if you stay where you are. And you get to meet different people. I I just like seeing and meeting new people experiencing different things and learning a new way of working and being, which is not something I could have done if I was involved with someone. 
You said you, you last lived with someone 20 years ago. What was that situation? Who were you living with? I was living with a girlfriend um, on the Upper West Side of New York. She was a, is a musician. Um, and I don't know what else to say about it, actually. 20 years ago, so I'm trying to think back on the relationship. And I'm like, because we're such, we're such good friends now hmm. that I, I, I think of her as a friend. You know how people always talk about their exes? I, I, I almost never say that word because I don't have an ex. You know, a lot of lesbians end up friends when the, the romantic part of it is over. So I don't think of them in, in terms of romantic and romance and all of that. kind. Of, I don't, you know, and I don't even think about romance. It just, it's not even something that's a part of living for me. It's weird. It's really weird when I think about it because it's such a big part of life being involved with someone, being, being coupled, um, taking their lives into consideration, remembering the, the intimate and the sexual moments. You know, none of that comes rushing to the fore with former, in former relationships. Well, it sounds to me from how you talked before, like you've got clarity that you are living life the way you want to live life that living on your own and not being in relationship really works for you. Yeah. Or not being in a romantic yeah. relationship, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I do have, I do have clarity about where I am right now in my life. Are you finding that you, you're more, uh, do you experience less uncertainty now than you did in previous periods of your life? Or are you um, like, w because it sounds like you're describing having a certain kind of confidence um, but then I'm also wondering if you're coming up against things that you've never run into before and are experience uncertainty in new ways. Let me think for a moment. I think what's um, challenging me today, as well as the rest of us, is COVID, is the pandemic. I'm running up against stuff that I have not experienced before um, being deathly, deathly afraid of getting it. Mm. You know, I, I just, the thought, I, I, the thought of getting COVID just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm so, I can't even, I can't even put it in words. So everything that I'm experiencing right now in terms of a challenge or or different, or I don't know how I'm going to react to it, has to do with COVID. Hmm. When you think about the prospect of, of getting infected, of contracting the virus, um, for you, what, what makes that so scary? Physical suffering um, and the confusion that apparently accompanies the disease. But more than anything, it's, it's the pain I've heard COVID patients describe is something I do not want to experience. I do not want a painful death if it comes to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want a peaceful, just kind of slide on away, or I want it to be quick. You know, I want to get hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. And I do think about, obviously, I think about death and dying. The older you get, you think about it more. But I don't want the suffering. I don't want to linger. 
on a ventilator or, you know, because I, I just don't, I just would rather exit stage left. When you think about some of the questions you have about what this phase of life is introducing into your life or what it is to be in your late 60s in America in this moment. Like, what are some of the questions that run through your head right now? Hmm. Will it be safe after COVID is over? Or when the, the virus has been eradicated? What will it, what, what will it look like I'll be probably a couple of years older. Um, will I will I feel safe enough to go outside without a mask and be in a group of people or especially young people? Mm. That's a question, a big question I have. Mm. So on the one hand, I'm like, you know, will I be safe? Will I be okay? But on the other hand, I'm going to make sure I am safe and okay. And I might still wear a mask and I might still social distance. Um, so COVID is one. Um, Another is what will the economy be? Will social security still be there? Because I've paid into it, but will my financial future be in question as I get older? Um, will my body, how will my body continue to break down? Hmm. Cause it, it is breaking down. Um, and I also am just very, very, very curious about what's after death. Mm. I'm even more curious about that than I am, how am I going to die? Because I was raised Catholic, but I'm not Catholic. And I really never believed all of the precepts. Um, so what is after death? I don't think of it as heaven and hell. I don't, you know, I, I sometimes think of it as nothing, but how does nothing exist? You know, so I'm just, I'm, I just, I want to, I want to, I'm curious. I don't know if I want to know. I'm just, I'm curious. And in the spirit of curiosity, we want to hear from you. Joanne is going to be stepping into the host chair and recording some interviews with some of you older listeners in our audience about what it's like to be aging and what questions are coming up for you, especially in this moment. So if you're over 60, tell us, what's your life look like right now? And how are you feeling your age differently this year compared to last year? There are a couple of different ways to get in touch with us. You can write an email to deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. You can also call us and leave a message. That number is 917-740-6549. Or you can record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. You can find all that info in our show notes, and we might get you on the phone for a conversation with Joanne sometime in the next few weeks. And if you're not over 60, you can still help us by spreading the word and sending this episode to someone in your life who is. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. 
I'm usually based at the studios of the investigative podcast Reveal in Emeryville, California. Annabelle Bacon produced this episode. The rest of our team includes Katie Bishop, Afi Yellow Duke, Emily Botin, and Andrew Dunn. Special thanks to Ayana Lowe, Kay Powell, Carol Martin, Isaac Jones, Kari Pitkin, Paula Schumann, and Wayne Schulmeister, all of whom helped shape this idea behind the scenes. The Reverend John Delure and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death Sex Money on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And thank you to Margarita Graber in Ocala, Florida, who's a sustaining member of Death, Sex, and Money. Join Margarita and support what we do here by going to deathsexmoney.org slash donate. If you're over 60, don't forget to send in your stories for Joanne to deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. Then after you've done that, go listen to her show, Been There, Done That. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I particularly recommend the episode called Betty, where Joanne interviews her sister about her experience of contracting coronavirus earlier this spring. There's a link in the show notes to that episode. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. ¶¶ 